Welcome to Big Fortune. This is Cal Fassman. <laughs> that little whippersnapper. Who does he think he is anyway? Well, that's Izell Fleming, the four-year-old son of our audio engineer, Luz Fleming, having a little fun at my expense. Gotta say, though, it's quite obvious Izell's got a big future ahead of him in this space. And I'm very grateful to Izell. His impersonation made my day. Never thought I'd have little kids mimicking me when I started this podcast. I never thought I'd get wonderful emails like the one that came in from France this week from Savani. Or the others that flew in from around the world with tips on favorite places to eat. Bob Majors, we will clink glasses at Cafe de Tacuba in Mexico City, where the window wells are filled with sweet bread. And Lori Orgeron, thanks for tipping me off to the shrimp and sausage alligator cheesecake in New Orleans at Giacomo's. I'm definitely going to see you there in 2020. So many great connections are made every day because of this podcast, which is why I make sure to thank Tim Ferriss every week for nudging me to start it. I couldn't have imagined back then that I'd be blessed to meet the perfect sponsor, Sportique. And the founders of Sportique, Jason Franklin and Matt Altman, are the subjects of this week's episode. And that's because Matt and Jason are the definition of a great partnership. Anybody who wants to take an idea or a dream forward with a partner, this is the podcast for you. And this goes way beyond business. This goes for any area of life. This story, their story, is filled with serendipity that's proof that everything happens for a reason. Two guys growing up thousands of miles apart eventually are touched by moments attached to Tupac Shakur, Jay-Z, the great Chicago Bulls teams with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Phil Jackson, the Phoenix Suns. And well, we're still early in the game. Jason and Matt use their complementary skill sets to open a company that is designed to preserve your best memories through the most comfortable clothing. Started with comfy tees, hoodies, and sweatpants, but soon, Sportique will be outfitting all hours in the day. They've got some chinos coming out soon. Down the line, it'll be soft flannels. Oh, man. Wait until you get your hands on a Sherpa. Don't want to tease this too hard because it's going to be a year before that hits the stands. But I'm telling you, when you get your hands on that Sherpa, you're going to say, I had no idea any clothing could be that soft. You're going to find out why NBA players stop in at their office to get a preview of the new Sportique product line. Because when you dress in Sportique, you're not only the most comfortable, you're living an experience. That's why I make it a tradition to record my intros and outros in my Sportique Comfy Tee. And if you want to roam in comfort, go to Sportique.com and use the offer code CAL for a 20% discount. 
The thing about clothing is you often have to see it and feel it to be excited about it. But after you hear this conversation, I think you'll understand why these threads are so special and why I'm so excited to be touched by their partnership. So let's get straight to Matt Altman and Jason Franklin. We're on and here at Sportique, and I'm looking at a whiteboard with a note that says, Happy Birthday, Papa and Uncle Matt. And this message actually, we've come to find out, gets to the essence of this amazing company. And uh, let me introduce you to Jason and Matt. And Jason celebrated his birthday yesterday. Matt is celebrating his birthday tomorrow. But the story that Jason was telling me about his daughter really begins to get to the essence of how this amazing company was formed. So you want to just start us out on what your birthday was like yesterday, Jason? Uh, sure. Well, we had a, I have a two-year-old, Athena, who... Uh, for the past about 30 days, has been saying happy birthday, Papa, every day. So finally yesterday, it, my, it was my actual birthday, so got to say happy birthday, Papa, and then sing and have lots of cake because a birthday uh, without cake or pie is not a birthday. So she got to have lots of cake and pie yesterday. Um, so that was very exciting for her. I think what we were talking about previously uh, in, in regards to how this all came to be was we were just talking about how my daughter, she's two, so she equates, you got to keep it sort of simple with her. And, and right now she started understanding that Papa travels a lot for work. So it's Papa, travel, airport, airplane. And now she associates when I come home that she's going to get some sort of present from the trip. It, it's funny, but we then got sort of talking about it. That she, so now in, in this particular case, I was in Las Vegas and staying at uh, one of uh, our clients' hotels, the the Win, and uh, popped in and got her a Win magnet with the carousel, the famous carousel that's in the Win, and so she could have that for her magnet board. So she now can see the magnet board and have something there that says, ah, Papa, go there, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, Which so to me was a great idea because a magnet is very small. And I was explaining how when I was traveling around and I would have these amazing moments going around the world for 10 years without a home. And I always wanted to remember the moment. And I would get some little memento or artifact and send it home. And what I discovered was over the years, these end up filling up a garage. And I'm now saying to myself, oh, man, what am I going to do here? This, we just moved and my wife says, do we, what do we have here? Is this a home or is this the Cal Fussman <clears throat> Museum? And then Jason said, well, it's funny because your feelings about wanting to have something to associate with a moment were exactly the reason behind the beginning of Sportique. And you want to explain, Jason? Sure, of course. So growing up, spent a lot of time traveling. And 
in those travels, I would always, this is before Yelp and TripAdvisor or anything. And it was really just, uh, you would need to have conversations with people, but it was my passion to find the must do, must go place in whatever city it was in. Not, And I wasn't necessarily into the chain place, but I, I wanted to go to different places in that town that uh, were maybe a little bit off the beaten path, but it's the place you, you got to go, you got to see. So whether it's going to the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee, or going to the first car hop hot dog stand in Chicago, which is super dog. There's different places around the country that have that sort of nostalgia to them uh, that people go to that they want to bring something back. You wanted the memory. You want it to live on. You want that day to never end. So that's the big thing. The, really, that was the aha moment with Sportique was in these travels, I would try to find something to bring back. Being a, a fan of apparel, I, I wanted to have something that I could bring back that I could cherish that could remind me of that moment in time. And there was really nothing fashionable or comfortable that I could have that would provide that moment for me or provide that experience for me. So uh, so you would get a t-shirt and after the third washing, it wouldn't last. And then the moment was dead. Correct. I mean, so it would just be in, in my mind and I, I wanted something a little bit better than that. And correct, whether I was at an amazing a killer concert or had this great meal or uh, wh whatever it is I was doing in that town, I wanted to have something that I could take home and be like, I, I experienced this. And then when I went to my closet, I could be reminded of that memory. And unfortunately, everything that I could find, it just it wasn't quality. It wasn't comfortable and it would fall apart and I just wouldn't be able to have anything. So, uh, so in the end, you had no memory. <laughs> <laughs> Besides maybe a ticket stub or, or a picture, yeah. that's, that's, that's really all, all I had. So that was really the, the 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 founding sort of thing with Sportique was, can we provide something of quality that could really live on forever? And could we provide a comfortable, elevated garment that when somebody went into their closet and saw something that maybe said, the Sportique brand, and then the other brand, whether it's Superdog Hot Dog Stand in Chicago or Little Miss Barbecue in Tempe, Arizona, or the Bluebird Cafe or WrestleMania, that whether it might have been eight years, 10 years ago, but they can go in their closet and find that Sportique garment, and it ends up being their favorite garment. And they, they never they, want to part with it. They never want to part with it. And they will wear it forever and ever and ever and then have that story to go with it. I saw, I had, I waited in line for three hours for this amazing <laughs> barbecue or I was at the Bluebird and I saw uh, Garth Brooks popped in and did two songs. Well, the music might fade and the food might, leftovers can only last for so long. But, but the shirt. But the shirt or the hat can last forever. And that really was something that, that, that was really the, the light bulb that's, that struck us, that something that we could do at Sportique, that that's how we could grow our brand. Now, Matt, were you thinking this way at the start? So actually, very similarly, yes. Um, so my background was in professional sports, worked in merchandising, uh, with the Phoenix Suns and Arizona Diamondbacks and and really saw a displaced consumer. 
Um, when you say displaced consumer, so, what, is, what does that so mean? There, so at the time, if we go back to the early 2000s, mid 2000s, the, the product offered in the licensed product uh, arena was very heavyweight, boxy t-shirts, um, no design aesthetic, heavy um, ink prints. Um, so the property of University yeah, of Tennessee. And it was just really scratch, or just really big, loud, um, you know, uh, prints. And it was you know kind of scratchy, not not really good to the touch. Um, and there was a fan who's maybe a season ticket holder or just a fan in general who's sh- maybe shopping at. Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom's or a boutique, and that's where they're getting their clothes outside of a of a fan ex, uh, experience. So they so would when, never buy that product if they were normally shopping. The only reason they're buying it is because they're connected to the moment. Ex- exactly. And so when Jason and I connected, we we really shared this understanding and knew like everyone's a fan of something. Whether you're a fan of your your favorite NBA team, your favorite restaurant, your favorite band, your favorite brand, um, that's someone has an affinity towards something, and we really wanted to be able to connect with um, those brands to provide a premium, elevated uh, apparel that would speak to those consumers who that wasn't there wasn't an, an option, and so they either were not buying something or they would, but it would maybe last, you know the one to you know three years so the whole name sportique is really fusing inspired boutique apparel with classic sportswear that's just timeless so it was really about really good quality fabric good uh fit and and feel when you put it on on trend uh graphics and design aesthetics and that really fit the garment in what we were trying to do and telling that story for that particular brand so how did you guys meet? Because I'm, I'm going to go back and I, I know a bit of the backstory and we'll go back and see how Jason started in, in clothing. But how did you guys meet and discover that you had these like-minded ideas? So as I, as I said, I was uh, at the Suns and the Diamondbacks and doing merchandising and, and buying. And this is going back to 2001, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks won the World Series. I get introduced to, to Jason. He was working in sales for uh, a company that was licensed in Major League Baseball. We got introduced and we hit it off like right away. You knew had, the moment you met. We had a lot of the same connections. We had a lot of the same likes and we saw... Uh, the business and life in a very similar accord. And it was really the first person, to, to be honest, that I connected in the industry with. When I started as a buyer, I was in my early 20s, and I was dealing with people in their 40s and, and 50s. So you were buying these products? And and for the our team stores, yeah. But you never made any products? I sourced. I did. I sourced and, and did some sourcing on my own. Um, overseas, but primarily I was working with um, licensed uh, vendors with Major League Baseball or the NBA or and the NHL. And so Jason comes along and he's like the first person in my age group and we just kind of really clicked. Okay. So let, let's take this back to Jason's start in Chicago. It's much more fascinating <laughs> start than, than my start. <laughs> I... 
Okay, go ahead. Tell us. I don't it's blame just, you. It's a, <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a great. It's a great story. Sure. And if, when you hear it, you I think everyone will understand. Okay, I just got an idea of who Matt is. Now I completely understand why this synergy would work. Sure. So I started at a at a very young age, at actually the age of eleven, and um, had a twin sister and and mom, and they liked to go to the mall or shopping, and I would go with them, but I wouldn't want to go to all the stores. I'd want to go to the sports store. Uh, whatever it was in the mall, Foot Locker Champs. And I would just sit in the store and watch people and watch people what they were buying, but particularly headwear and apparel for sports teams. And like I ball was, caps. Correct. And I was just fascinated in that. And I was just seeing that there was not anything that I really liked uh, that I thought was cool that I wanted to wear. And I was also... My dad had season tickets to the Chicago Bulls, and I was going to a lot of Bulls games and also going there, and I would literally stand at the souvenir stand and not see anything that I liked or wanted to wear. So I started in my own spare time drawing baseball caps for my favorite sports teams. And, and so would you make up logos? and? Yeah, I would make up how the the... I would play with the fonts and play with the logos, and I would. And how old are you when you're 11. doing this? At eleven. Yeah, and I, for some reason, that made sense to me. I just, I don't know why. I mean, my, I started out at a very young age. My grandmother was a clothing designer. My great grandmother was a, a clothing designer, and I spent a lot of time even before eleven in my grandma's knit shop downtown Chicago. And she would, I would sit on her lap, and she'd be showing me fabrics. So. In oh, different so colors, so in the blood. Yeah, yeah. So it it's like I, I would just see that sort of stuff, and I, I it, it just something sort of clicked uh, at a very young age, and I think I believe, and I should say we believe everything happens for a reason. And uh, my sister happened to be babysitting our neighbors, and um, she got sick, and um, that one night changed your life, right? Mm -hmm. And so she calls home and says, "I'm sick. I want to come home." So my mom sends me over to the house, and the the kids were young, but they were sleeping. And she's like, "It's a half. The, the parents are coming home in a half hour. Just Easy go over there. Easy, yeah. <laughs> just you know, substitute. Just run over there, and, and the kids are already down. So just go sit there. Okay, fine." So I go over there and I walk in and it was it was crazy. It was like uh, for a chocolate lover, it was like walking into Willy Wonka's house. Uh, but for this in this particular case, I walk in and there's hats everywhere. You walk into a house filled with hats of sports teams, and oh, I was just like man. had the chills, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like what is going on here? Like this is like the most amazing house ever. Like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just so, I, I was just walking around the house just in awe and the family came home and the parents came home and I said, what, I have to ask, like, what, what's going on here? Like, why all these hats? He says, well, I own a baseball cap company and we make hats for professional sports teams. And my mouth just dropped and I said, I know this might sound crazy and I'm 11, but do you think I could run home and show you some hats that I designed? And he sort of gave me a look. He's like, 
really? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, go home and come back and show me these designs. And, and are you like oh, running man, through I, this? <laughs> <laughs> I think I could have won the 40-yard uh, dash to the Olympics that day. I was running so fast to go home. And I was just, I, I just, I still remember that that run home. It wasn't long, but I was just like, I was so excited. I was shit. I was almost shaking. And uh, so I ran home, got the designs, ran back and started showing him. He's like, huh. He's like, actually, there's a couple here that I, I really like. Do you think that I could make some? And I'm like, well, oh, oh my gosh, yeah, of course you can make some. Not really thinking the business side of it. I'm just like, here's this guy that wants to make uh, something He's that I designed. He's turning my art yeah, and, and putting and it out there. Correct. So months later, as we'll talk about later, the, the sort of the, the process that it takes for development and the time frames uh, to get product and out to the marketplace. But it takes months to get that. Oh, sometimes, I mean, to actually then for a design to get to said marketplace, sometimes you're a year out because you're selling way far ahead in the seasons, uh, sometimes a year, year and a half ahead. So probably three or four months pass, not thinking anything of it. And then sure enough, the gentleman shows up in my house and s starts bringing some of the hats that I designed and were actual hats. And what was that moment like? So it was like an out of body experience. I mean, I'm like, this is, this is what happened. Like what you put on a piece of paper, then seeing an actual physical product of it was as, I mean, at this point I'm almost 12. I mean, like I'm, I'm play for 11 and a half year old kid. I mean, that's, it's unheard of. So uh, you, you're, you're so excited. And it was like Christmas morning uh, or Hanukkah in my case, but He's like, I, I think people are really going to like these hats. I'm like, well, that's really awesome. And fast forward uh, another six months, and I go with my friends to see a movie called Poetic Justice, which I remember. Was, I remember that yes, Janet Jackson was Janet in that. Janet Jackson right? and Tupac Shakur, and right. sure enough, the fir literally like the first scene of the movie through the whole movie, Tupac is wearing a hat I designed. Oh. <laughs> And I'm, you're, we don't have cell phones at this point. There's nothing like this. I'm just like sitting through the whole movie. I can't believe I actually sat through the whole movie. I think I was more like floating in my seat at that point. I was so excited and I, I, I could have ran home, but we got a ride home. But I was sitting there just going crazy that Tupac Shakur, who at the time was, you know, the, one of the biggest stars in the world is sitting there where it went through this That's movie and it's the hat. Yeah. And so, I mean, fast forward, then it, it just triggered so many other things. I mean, then, then, then the, you saw the second hat, um, I'm watching TRL, uh, total request live on MTV, which is like sort of at that point was, and now it's come back. It's sort of like that after school special show that's on MTV. And I'm sitting there with my friends playing in, in, in my downstairs basement. And then there's Jay-Z in his Girls, Girls, Girls video wearing the second hat that I designed. <laughs> and 50 Cent's wearing his, another one in, in, a, in a Winksta video when he first started breaking. And, and so it really then came a point where this is like, okay, this is, if, if these people that are at the top of what they do are, are, are liking the things that are coming out of my brain, then there must be something here that, that is working that I've now found my calling, which is, I think, pretty rare at, at, at that young of an age. So Now, this is interesting because I think, Matt, you were saying that uh, a lot of the people in the industry were tended to be older people uh, who were doing 
like the selling and it, it was it sounded like it was a more traditional very much so especially around yeah. the sports so when i started teams. you know as a, as a buyer i was probably one of the younger was probably the youngest one in the in the industry that was um doing what i was doing so when i'm dealing with buyer or uh sales reps dealing with different companies that yeah they were much 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 senior uh than my than myself so kudos to my boss who uh, my boss because he gave me a summer job uh at the age of 13 he it registered to him very quickly that said, hey, do you think you also would want to sell these hats? So if I'm walking into, I as the owner of that company, if oh, he was, if I was man. walking in to meet with the CEO of Foot Locker or Champs or the buyer at the New York Yankees or whatever sports team it was, if I walk in with a 13 year old kid <laughs> wearing the hat and saying it's cool, like, Cause, and this is what me and my friends want to wear. He had the leg up because every other creative person from any other company that was walking in the door is probably maybe 20s, but probably 30s, 40s, 50s, right? 60s. They were just seeming old-timey. Right. So then here in walks this 13-year-old kid that the says, this edge. is the hat that you need. This is the style you need. This is cool. This is what we like. This is what we like. Yeah. It was a game changer. So, so uh, now you're showing up at business meetings. Yeah. So now I'm getting called out of school. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, literally, it was like uh, my parents would call me out of school and Jason's going on a, into a business meeting or he's going on a, to a trade show. And and at first, like the teachers of the school thought I, my parents were kidding, but it was like, no, serious. He's, he's going to a trade yeah, show. Yeah, he's going to a trade show. And there's pictures of me in my little suit and tie uh, wearing a hat and go with a full rack of braces going to my first trade show. Um, and yeah, I was sitting in, in those meetings in, in Atlanta or Las Vegas or New York and uh, Chicago and, and sitting in these, or Florida, wherever the meeting would be and sitting with the powers of be at some of these companies or major sports teams and sitting down with them and telling them what I thought was cool and what they should be buying. How did you come through those meetings? What did you learn? sitting in those meetings at the age of 13. <laughs> There's a lot going through your mind at the age of 13 when you're sitting at the, somebody with the title of CEO of Foot Locker or, or the vice president or uh, director oh, of retail. Because first of all, I, I from a firsthand experience, I could tell them in a very nice way that, hey, I was been sitting in your stores for a long time and you don't have anything cool in there for that I want to buy. Oh, and man. I think there was this uh, naive sort of thing where they felt it that I wasn't coming off as being mean or rude. I was just coming from a place of, I was a kid. And this I- This is purely authentic. Yeah, this is truly authentic from me saying, hey, what you have in your store with all due respect, isn't really that cool. And my friends and I don't want to buy this stuff. So this is the stuff you need. So what person then in that meeting is is saying no to that? It just sort of snowballed from there. Um, so now you can design mm -hmm. and now you're learning to sell. Mm -hmm. What were you doing at 13? <laughs> I was playing tennis. <laughs> I was playing tennis, a lot of tennis and going to school. So he got pulled out of one school to really go into another school. So in hindsight, we can we can see that 
Like he went into a whole nother school and learns learned something that you're just not going to learn in the classroom, and you just, or you you will learn it, but it'll be later in life, right? When you're out on the street on your own. <laughs> right. So I, I fortunately, and I, I appreciate this from my parents and my former mentors, is that they they saw this in me at a very early age, and my parents called me out of school. There could have been parents that easily could have said no, like you're missing algebra class and you can't miss algebra class. But uh, instead they realized, oh, my, my son going to meet with the retail director at Macy's or the CEO of Foot Locker or the buyer for the New York Yankees or the Chicago Cubs is going to mean so much more in his life than an algebra class. I can do algebra for him. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> yes. Okay. I can do the algebra. There we go. So now you're on a path. Uh, you're still designing now sure. because I imagine it only makes you want to design more oh, when yeah. you're seeing your hats on Tupac and Jay-Z. Yeah. So the, 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 I guess it started really that confidence and that comfort level of like, wow, people really like what I have to say, I guess, or my thought process. So it was sitting down with the creatives. I mean, I still to this day can't really draw well, but I can, I was able to at that point draw it out enough. So my creative team at that old company could like draw it to where I wanted it to be and felt that it could be uh, at, at the right place. And after school, I mean, my, my parents were driving me to go to this company right after school. So I'd get out at 3.30 and most days I would be over at the, the company by four o'clock and I would be there till 5.30, six o'clock and I would get a ride home from the owner of the company. So I wasn't doing what most teenage kids were doing at that point. And, and it, it caused for some uncomfortable situations. I think it, it was a blessing and a curse because I could sit and talk to older people all day long, but I didn't have the same interests as most of the kids my age at that point. And most of the kids in, that are in their teenagers are doing stupid stuff or, you know, just wow, that's doing really, teenage stuff. really good point. Like you're in boardrooms. Right. So I'm sitting here. There's the next piece you add mm -hmm. actually pushes everything in, in its motion to this current table where you reach out to the Chicago Bulls to be a ball boy. Mm -hmm. And was that, was part of the reason because, well, your dad had season tickets, mm -hmm. but also because you're, you're really in a different place than most kids your age and you want to be someplace that's more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Wow, we keep coming back to this word comfortable, mm -hmm. which is another key element here. Yeah, I mean, doing what I was doing at the time gave me a, a comfort and a confidence level that I could just, if you believe it, it can come true. So the Chicago Bulls practice facility was in the same hometown as where I grew up and was an avid Bulls fan. My dad happened to get season tickets the first year they got this rookie named Michael Jordan. So I wow, was able to, timing. yeah, so that was pretty good time, you could say, to get season tickets. And I was a huge Bulls fan, went to most of the games, and I just said, you know what, I'm 14, but I'm gonna ride my bike over to the practice facility and just go ring the doorbell and ask to get a job. So- They said, what's your resume? <laughs> well, I've been in the boardroom. Yeah, <laughs> and sure enough, you have to, you, you, they, they wanna see like a, a quote unquote resume, like what have you done? And because one of the things was, was they didn't want people, they didn't wanna, 
bring on ball boys that were going to be starstruck and that were going to be uncomfortable working with famous people or I would say different owners or whoever work uh, coaches or whoever it was. You, you got to be comfortable. Yeah, you got to be comfortable. Man. You got to be able to to do your job. So they said, hey, it's the middle of the season, but come back next year. And so I, they said, but you know, get your resume ready of why you think you should be a ball boy for the Chicago Bulls and. Over a thousand kids applied for why they should be a ball boy, and I five kids got interviewed and two kids got a job, and I got a job. And you were the only one who had designed hats for Tupac, right? And, and sure, uh, sat resume, in the board in the boardroom meetings. My resume looked a little bit different. I'm willing to bet <laughs> than most of the other 15 year old kids that were applying for that job. Okay, so Matt, what are you doing at this age now? Now we're 16. What are you doing now? Well, it's definitely not as ex- as exciting. At, well, so there's a gap in, in in our age by like five or six years. So, but at 16 for me, yeah, I was I was in high school. I was active in sports, playing tennis a lot. I played after school weekends. I was I was a big tennis player and just you know I was just really I just had a normal. Normal so you were just taking a, care of the algebra, kid. man. Yeah. You're just going into the classes, <laughs> yeah. getting the work done. The interesting thing was. In very similar with Jason with the with the Bulls practice facility, the Phoenix Suns practiced at the Phoenix Jewish Community Center, which is where I spent my summers swimming, playing tennis, playing basketball. And so, you know, I was a gym rat. I loved anything with a ball. And so I was playing a lot of pickup basketball. And it's one of those things, environment being in the right place at the right time, where I end up colliding and playing pickup basketball with, the, at the time, the director of merchandise who uh, was at the Suns, and he later offers me an internship to, to go work there. Uh, right place, right time. And it right really time. pivoted my entire life because I was you know uh, studying accounting and business, and that was kind of my trajectory. And then I get introduced to this whole professional sports world. Back to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like for you going into Chicago Bulls locker room? Uh, what's what's the normal experience there? Well, first of all, Cal, I I think the normal is not a is probably not the right word. There at is that no point normal because you're hanging with Scotty. Yeah, Pippen. at that point of at that point, you're, you're it's like walking into the Beatles dressing room. Uh, before a show or walking into the Yankees locker room with Ruth and Garrick. I mean, it's, you're, you're, you're walking into, I mean, this is one of the premier places to have access and to walk into in the world at that time. So Phil Jackson, uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Scotty, Rod, Dennis. I mean, so like you're, I mean, you're, you're, this is the best of the, this is the Beatles, uh, if you will, at that point uh, in Chicago. And do you feel one of the band? <laughs> I mean, at first it was, it, it was funny, actually. I, the, one of the first people that I, I happened to, to walk into was Scottie Pippen. And actually it, it was interesting and sort of like Matt, the, the Bulls actually practiced before they had their own facility at a facility that was sort of open to the public, but it was a private gym that my parents belonged to. And on off days, this goes back a little bit, I would sit and watch practice with my little brother. And after the practice, we'd sit and get autographs. And this was, and and sure enough, uh, fast forward to my first time walking in the Bulls locker room, 
I'm talking with Scotty Pippen and then I'm walking out with him because he needed somebody to go rebound for his pre-shooting for the game. And he's like, you look really familiar. And he's like, I, I don't know. He's like, where I've seen you before? Because I've definitely seen you. How have I seen you? And I said, well, I was, you know, I used to sit outside and watch practice. He's like, that's it. He said, I used to see you and you used to come watch us practice. And he's like, that's where I recognize you. So at that point, there was that connection. So and there that was- that says something about how perceptive he is. Yeah. And that started sort of our friendship. Um, and he really sort of took me under his wing. And we actually, speaking of you, birthdays- You got to tell the prom night well, story. Well, of course. You got to tell the prom night <laughs> right, story. But speaking of birthdays, um, we share the same birthday. So that, that oh, to, to make the full circle, Scotty and I have the same birthday. Uh, so that, that, that was actually kind of a, a funny connection as well. But um, but you got to tell the prom story. <laughs> got to tell the prom story. Now I'm yes, going to ask you about your prom let's go story. To prom. <laughs> Fast forward to prom. Well, there's a lot of cool stories in between that and prom. But like with those guys taking me under their wing, they treated me like a little brother. So after the game, sometimes it'd be they're like, hey, you want to come join us for a bite or yeah, we're going to go grab a, some dinner or whatnot. Do you want to come? And here I am as a 15 or 16-year-old kid and Scotty Pippen or Ron Harper or Jason Caffey or Dennis Rodman, um, you name it. One of the guys on the team is, is saying, hey, you want, to go, you want to go grab a bite after the game? And you're like, oh, of course, <laughs> I do. And not th- you know, not re- at that point, school at 8.30 the next morning is getting thrown out the window because I'm <laughs> calling my parents from the, from the locker room phone saying, hey, I'm going to go to dinner with Scotty and some of the guys after the game, uh, is that okay? And they're like, okay, can you just make it home at some point? And fortunately, again, you know, thankful for my parents for them realizing the education that I was going to get hanging out with those guys and uh, spending time with them, the schooling that I was getting from them was going to way outweigh any, let's just say, most of the schooling that I was getting in high school. So, um, so let's get to the prom story. <laughs> okay, so I'll I'll give you the the the, the first date story. That, that's probably maybe a little bit uh, more more fun for for right now. The the prom story is is amazing too. But the first date, I, I was I was a young kid, and again had I uh, wasn't really feeling comfortable talking to my peers and those Scotty and those guys were really sort of encouraging me to like, Hey, you are cool. You're, you're, you're cool with us. And if you're cool with us, you're going to be cool with anybody. So, Hey, you should maybe go ask that if you, if you like some girl in your grade, you should ask her out. Like, uh, and, but I'm sitting there saying, Oh, you think? And they're like, <laughs> yes, you should definitely ask the girl out. You're cool. Don't worry about it, man. And, and so I sat there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to ask her out. But one problem is I'm 15. I can't drive. And so th- th- I, got a, I got a little bit of a look from Scotty, and he's like, okay, tell you what, ask her out, and I'll drive you. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, my eyes lit up. I'm like, okay, if that's the case, then fine. So sure enough, I, I, but I wanted to make it sort of, keep it sort of cool. And so I called and asked the girl, Hey, you know, you want to go out and go have dinner and go see a movie? Because what do you do when you're 15? You just go to the mall and you, you eat something in the mall there and you go see a movie. And, uh, so she, she agreed. And, uh, so the night, the day comes sure enough. And 
there was an article in the in the Chicago Tribune that day uh, that how uh, Scotty had bought this Porsche and Michael Jordan had bought this Ferrari and they had swapped because they didn't like the cars for whatever reason and they had swapped cars. And sure enough, lo and behold, Scotty comes and picks me up that night in Michael's Ferrari. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, like uh, this is going to be a pretty crazy situation if I show when I show up at this girl's house. First of all, in a Ferrari. Second of all, <laughs> with one of the most famous people in the world. Uh, so I called her and said, hey. Just so you know, it's going to be a very interesting pickup tonight. So just please, if you don't mind, just try to make sure you and your family, please keep it cool as possible and, and don't get super excited. And she's, I was trying to be as cryptic as possible. And she's like, what are you talking about? What's going on? So of course we pull up to the girl's house and the whole family's in the window. Like, what is going on here? And I go up to the girl's door and there's, you know, here's me. And, you know, they sort of look out and see Scotty in the driver's seat, you know, with a wave. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he took us and he was great. So, but, like, uh, how were you both sitting in the back and Scotty was in the front, or how did you? I sat in the front. She, I mean, it was a very, it was, it's a Ferrari. It's a, so, yeah, so yeah. she, yeah, it's a pretty small car. So, I was in the front and she uh, squished in the back. But, yeah, and then he, he dropped us off. That obviously the word got out pretty quickly. I mean, here I was like this kid that really kept himself in high school. And then all of a sudden that happens and uh, word got out pretty fast in high school that what had happened. And he's a baller. Yeah, right. And so it, it, it was, it, it definitely sort of catapulted the uh, popularity, which was kind of funny. I went from drawing hat designs in the bathroom by myself during lunchtime at school to then people like this is the guy hey, that hangs out with the bulls tickets? yeah <laughs> can i can you get me some tickets can i meet scotty or whoever or can i get an autograph or whatever it is and so it was a, a definite adjustment but um it was the best schooling i could have ever gotten and how did that lead up to the prom <laughs> so we're, we're not gonna lose the prom story here um, <laughs> so the the prom story was these are these at at this point this was uh, year two of me being a ball boy and I they were, these guys were like uh, some of these guys on the team were like my pseudo family and they were the ones that really sort of encouraged me out of my shell because I I felt comfortable talking to older people all day long but talking to my peers was always a little uncomfortable to me at, the, at even at that point still and I was was sort of on the fence about going to prom and. I was like, they're like, you got to go, you got to go. And a lot of the guys on the team, like they sort of all sort of, sort of yeah, I mean, there was like six Jason's of the guys that were go like, got to go to prom or whatever. So it's funny in our school that people asked like in funny ways, girls to go to prom. And I was like, well, it may be kind of funny if Ron Harper calls uh, the girl and leaves a voice message on her machine and says, hi, I'm Ron Harper from the Chicago Bulls. And uh, my good friend, uh, Jason Franklin wants to go with you to prom. Would you go with him? Call me back, and you know, here's my number. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so you better find out from Ron yeah, if you were she accepted. Said yes or not. <laughs> so, um, so she said yes, but for whatever reason, you know, high school stuff. It's like you know, she ended up getting back with her boyfriend like uh, six weeks or two months before prom or whatever, and so oh, I end up man. like I didn't want to ask anybody else, and so I was just like, whatever, I'm not gonna go. Uh, the the guys sort of felt sort of bad and they were like hey I, I want to um 
we as a group, we want to make this, make you have a fun night on your prom. Since you're not going to go and you're not going to see the kids and you're not going to go to your prom, like we want to make sure you have an enjoyable night. So we're going to rent a limo and take you out. So um, <laughs> oh, man. I'm like, all right, awesome. So we went out. And so with my, the, all the kids were going to prom. I got in a limo with about five guys from the Bulls. I'm not even going to ask you what happened. <laughs> no, was, I mean, yeah. I mean, at that point, anything, it was, all, it was the best education I could ever got because you go out and whoever was the famous people in Chicago, whatever they were in town for, a con you know, performing at a concert or uh, shooting a TV show or movie or whatever it was, they wanted to hang out with the Bulls. So at any given night- That meant they were hanging out with Jason. Correct. So like <laughs> at, at any given night, there's yeah. a, I'm sitting at a bar and it could be Dennis and Scotty and Eddie Vedder or whoever it was at the time that was just happened to be in town. It was just Wesley Snipes or whoever was there because they were all, of course, all going to the game. It was the place to be in Chicago. But yeah, so of course, there's a crazy night. And that was- uh, that's and then about three or four in the morning, I get they drop me off at my uh, hotel where all my friends are like, and they're they're like, where were you? I'm like, oh, I was hanging out with some friends. <laughs> they're like downtown Chicago. I'm like, yeah, and uh, yeah. So it was a definitely a different. Uh, I never went to a, a dance or or or, or prom, but I, I must say that I could. Pro I will put my prom uh, night up with uh, anyone, uh, any of their prom nights. So. So now it sounds like you can just look at the pieces all together, uh, and you've got the, the designing, you got the sales, you got the link to sports, and now you're also linked to, to sports. How do you two guys come together? What was what was that night? I asked you before how you met, but like where was this moment? What, what where were you when this happened? Well, I don't know if it's a particular moment. I think it was an evolution of us spending time together and talking and and recognizing that we were actually at the same point in our lives around what are we going to do? Jason, we both share this passion around the business, the industry, apparel. I think we both had the affinity towards apparel. I was dealing with a lot of things in non-apparel uh, as well. And, and you're hanging we, out with a baseball team. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at this point working for the Phoenix Suns and the Arizona Diamondbacks, having a, a dual role, doing the same role for, for, both, for both teams. And I really hit a ceiling in my career and and so did Jason and so that's where these with these conversations started happening what are we going to do we oh, both okay. were entrepreneurial we had this entrepreneurial spirit about e each other and i i really feel like we're yin yang it's a it's a really good combination of the strengths that he has and the strengths that you know i have and taking the same vision and putting it together and and that was kind of really the impetus is is just kind of having that under that understanding, and again the dream and the belief to be able to do what we what we felt we can do. We we both saw that there's a marketplace for better apparel in 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 the spaces that we were we were working in, and we wanted to really develop that niche of providing premium you know apparel to that displaced consumer. 
We knew there were people starving and wanting something better. And the interesting thing is, you know, some people who went, had your prom night, you know, like after high school, life would have been kind of like that Billy Joel song, Italian restaurant, where uh, Brenda and Eddie had it already. After a few years, like those are the golden years and everything else is just kind of living it out. Where did you go after your time at the Bulls to set you up to meet with Matt? You're right. I think a lot of people at that point would have, that would have been the pinnacle of their life, I guess. You know, here's the pictures of me as the ball boy, and I'm with Michael and Scotty and these guys, and this is what I do. But the passion inside of me for the the apparel side, I think, really won out and, and, and realizing that I wanted to own my own business one day and, and then always still having that. I was doing my ball boy job, but still working for the hat company at the time and still doing meetings and still meeting people like Matt. And my passion was always there. And I always felt that the two could be infused. So right away, I knew like I could use this and leverage these relationships that I'm building right now to someday grow my own business. So you meet Matt and what is it in Matt that you see, wow, if we put this together, we have a chance to grow something amazing. People I, I believe are put on this earth all have the ability to do something really special, but I believe that most people never really find out what it is that they're supposed to do in life that really then can take them to another level. And I think both Matt and I were very fortunate to, to realize at a very early age what it is that our purpose of why we're here. When I met Matt, I knew he, I think it was a sensitivity at first that I, I had seen in him that connected us, that there was this sort of understanding, this unsaid understanding of the type of person he was uh, and the type of person I was that just bonded us. And yes, of course, there was this age thing there where it's like we're two younger guys in the industry, but it's the type of person that he was, that a gentle soul that he is, the person that it's like this, it, it, people want to gravitate towards being around him. And uh, I, I'm like, I, I want somebody like that as, as, a, as a partner of mine when I could start my own business. And I knew right away when I started my own business, I got some really good advice. Hey, know what you're good at, know what you're not good at. And and um, that was some really good advice. So when I was thinking about leaving my old company just to go on and start our own company is find somebody that you could get along with. Was and doing the algebra while you, was just, you took <laughs> the words who, who out of my do mouth. the algebra, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and right away I knew that that, that person was going to be Matt. So when I was coming out to see him, I said, hey, I'm going I'm to be leaving my current existing company just to sort of reach my own entrepreneurial goals, in which I knew at this point we had had enough conversations where he had, was sort of feeling the same glass ceiling. And it's time to go do something really special with our lives and, and go follow the path, the journey that we're meant to go beyond. And, and that's Sportique. So the Ferrari meets algebra. <laughs> and now you're going to start this company. Mm-hmm that you you know is going to, getting back to the beginning of the conversation, bring forth a product that is going to preserve those memories. Mm-hmm. It's gonna make you feel comfortable 
which keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. No matter where the conversation goes, the word comfortable always keeps popping up. But you've been in sports and you know how people are so tied to those moments, to those magic moments, and want that memento, want that shirt. And now you just got to make it in the most comfortable way. Is that a challenge? Because I get it that you could do a rough design. I get it that you can buy things from other people, but now you're being asked to make it. Mm -hmm. Is that a challenge? Oh, of course it's a challenge. It's still a challenge uh, today. And I think that's the fun part. I think the challenge of continuing to evolve, continuing to develop products and fabrics yeah, it's it's fun, but that's but it's also a challenge, and I I don't see that ever ever changing. Uh, even the even the tried and true styles that have been a part of Sportique now for seven plus years, it's still an evolving challenge. Whether it's making sure it's consistent that fabric is is soft to the touch and has the same quality every single time it's being produced adding new colors, adding special features. How long so, yeah. did it take to make your first product? What was your first product? The first thing you did? We had like nine styles mm-hmm. that we had put together. There was a rugby, there was a couple tees, there was a pullover hoodie. Um, track jacket. There was a track jacket. There so was a Henley. this is kind of locker room. Yeah, I don't know. It, this was more like, hey, how yeah. do, yeah. <laughs> wow. how do we wow. make something that people want to wear, that, that they're going to be comfortable wearing, that sort of celebrates the moment that they were at when their favorite team or band or place or restaurant, whatever it was, but that they could look good and feel good wearing it so and be on sort of on trend fashion so that that i think was the real special sauce that we were able to figure out very early on is understanding what was going on in the fashion world and what was going on in the fan world and bridging that gap and sort of bringing that to the marketplace and so most people don't know when they go to a venue and they're buying like an nba product that is, seems really comfortable they wouldn't know that Sportique is making it, would they? Well, it's got the buffalo uh, drawstring. Uh, it's got well, it's got a buffalo. The woven label, the red woven buffalo label, and the back neck hit for at every NBA arena in the U.S. that says Sportique. That's you can see it now. Correct the front of the garment or the side or whatever it is, wherever it's embellished, will say Phoenix Suns or Chicago Bulls, whatever it is. But you can always identify our product with the red woven label. Okay, so. This is growing and growing, but what's the time frame that you're starting the company in? So I left the Phoenix Suns October 1, 2005, and the company was officially formed and started January of 2006. And so when I left, that was that was like full court press for Jason and I to start working on samples, working on business plan. Uh, working on all the things that we felt we need to do to get the business off the ground. Now, it's going to take a while before your first line is going to be released, right? Yeah, so in this whole time, yeah, we're working on we're working on development and samples, which leads us to talk about relationships and things of that nature, being able to get a meeting with the NBA to present this is what we want to do. So we had our first samples and went to New York, 
and presented to the NBA what we what we wanted to do. And and fortunately, having you know 12 years history, you know, in the NBA, understanding the industry and the marketplace, that there was an understanding that what we were saying and what we were presenting, they it was like, yeah, we. They got it immediately. And so we were given a shot. We were given an opportunity, which is really all you can ask for. And we got a license with the NBA that year. And that kind of set us right on a trajectory to, okay, now we need to sell. Now we need to take these samples and we need to start showing it to the teams and seeing if we can validate and okay, so they're just doing. giving you the license Correct. to do this. But we got to sell. We got to sell wow. it to. Now you're yeah. in 2007, and Six, guess what? 2006. Okay, because I'm I'm just this new young company, and 2008 is about to come, and the Great Recession. So I'm wondering <laughs> how this little overlap is going to treat you. Well, to be honest, Cal, it worked in our favor. Because the Great in, Recession because, worked in your because favor. Because in 2008, everyone's retracting. And we're young. We're young and hungry, and we need to sell. We need to grow the business to survive. So there's people retracting. Big companies oh, are retracting. Man. We're gonna and hedge we're our going, risks. And we're going the other way. We gotta like hurry. We gotta. We gotta. Thankfully, you know, we had the foresight to create a business model that allowed for speed of market. And so we take an inventory position and in our, in our blanks, and we would, you know, decorate accordingly to what our clients' needs were. So where at the time our competitors might be 98, 90 days out for delivery, we were 30 days out for delivery. And so when you talk about holding on to cash and companies and buyers not wanting to overextend themselves or commit cash so far out in advance, they can come to Sportique and get really good quality product in a short amount of time. And so that really helped us win, win business uh, in, during that time because we could react and we can be more nimble where these bigger companies, it took they them too long. They and, and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to just survive and we're trying, we're trying to survive too, but in a different way. And I think the quality of the garment was a big game changer there as well, because as you alluded to with the recession, people were holding on to their dollars more. So it better be a really special garment and it better be sustainable and it better be super comfortable and it better be something that you can, it can be very versatile as well, because if I'm going to spend my money that I don't really have right now, it better be something really special. That's where I think we really stood out as well. So we could have our product at an NBA game or wherever it was, and and people could touch and feel it and be like, okay, this is worth spending the money. I'm actually going to wear this garment more than the one time that I have, and it's not going to fall apart on me, and I can have this as a staple in my closet forever and ever and ever. How did you make it so soft? <laughs> That's the special sauce. Okay, so it, yeah. it really starts with the yarn. I'll bring you. I'll bring you a spool of yarn that I have in my office, so you can you can actually see. But it really starts with the key ingredients, right? And yarn, the cotton. You know, our our, our signature fabrics is our comfy um, fleece and our and our comfy fabric for our comfy tea. And it's it's the right yarn of cotton, rayon, and um, polyester. And and then the wash, 
the treatment and you know that's there's there's a whole like look i remember when when i got into this business i wanted to learn how a t-shirt was made i wanted to know everything from the cost of how it was made to everything and once you kind of like put that out there you get put into scenarios where you now start getting put into factories where you see where the cotton's coming from and how the cotton's getting pulled and turning into um the yarn and and so you start seeing like, okay, these are some of the things that are really important in building a textile and a fabric. Um, and then, cause it starts with a fabric, but then it's got it to be cut and it's gotta be sewn. This is and the it's algebra, be man. This yeah. is all the algebra yeah, coming there's, into play. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's wild. So now the two of you come together and you both had the roots in professional sports. So the, the great thing is now you got connections and you can reach out to people. Yeah. So I, I'm going to talk about that for a second because I'm a, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek, Start With Why. So I fully support that. But there's also the question of who. And, and I, think, I think starting with who can help is, is a question that I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and and people just need to ask who can help because people help people and I think that's really what we've seen in leveraging and building um, you know our business is is who can who can help us and 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 it and it goes back and it's reciprocal in terms of then who can we help you know as as well and so we started identifying whether it was mentors uh, whether it was investors whether it was people we knew in the industry that can make certain connections um, to open some doors that we can give a presentation to on what we were doing. I think people realized that following up what Matt said, that we were really genuine and passionate about what we were doing too. And I think people really loved that. And when they met Matt and I and they talked to us, they wanted to help us because they knew that we were doing this because we genuinely wanted to make people look good and feel good. And they were willing to open up their Rolodexes to us and make that extra phone call for us or email or intro in some capacity or even wear our product if they were a celebrity or a well-known person because, yes, of course, it's, it's nice to sell product to make money, but they knew that we really wanted to get Sportique and our brand out there because we believe that our product would make people, at the core of it, make people more comfortable in their life. Now, is it a big jump to ask people to buy a Sportique t-shirt without a Los Angeles Clippers or a Milwaukee Bucks logo on it to get them to understand, hey, this is who we are, and we're putting out some new chinos. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was just in the back looking at this amazing Sherpa. I mean, I've never felt anything so soft in my entire life. Hmm. People won't be able to feel it for another year, but this is the point. This is now a piece of clothing that it may have a brand on it that they want to associate, but you're now selling things mm -hmm. without the brands on it. Mm -hmm. And people can, as you like to say, roam in comfort simply by having those threads. Absolutely right, Cal. And I think it's been the evolution of Sportique and we've done things very org organically. And so in us 
getting product out into the marketplace that was in Madison Square Garden or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or the Grand Old Opry or resorts like, you know, Pebble Beach or destination places like Paramount Studios and Warner Brothers that people were connecting with the product and then wanted to learn more about who's what's who's this company, you know, Sportique. And so through through getting more and more product out there, it created this organic thing of, hey, I love this comfy tee. Can I get it in just some colors for myself? It doesn't need to say, you know, New York Knicks or Los Angeles Lakers. And that was kind of really the evolution of, okay, let's take what we're doing and and put it online and and offer it to, to you know to people and so that's been evolving for for sportique and through that it's it's allowed us to kind of be more creative and, and expressive in what we want to do as a brand whether it's in products or helping people be comfortable from a social impact standpoint and so we're real excited because you know we've kind of really dialed in on comfort and comfortable fabrics. And so next week we're launching our new Chino collection and starting with joggers and and Chino pants. And so we're really excited about it because it's opening up a whole new avenue for people to connect with the brand, but also just really have a full head-to-toe experience of of comfort. Oh, you know, Jason was saying before that people will wake up maybe be in their sweatpants, <laughs> and then they'll come home from work, put on their hoodie. But in the meantime, they had to wear other clothes. But now yeah. you're moving into clothing that people can be in for the entire day. Yeah. I have a funny story. I have a, a really good friend who's an attorney. And so during the day, he's, you know, in a in a suit. But uh, he was telling me how he, he, he loved the brand and he came home. And he was just, he had a rough day. He wanted to just be comfortable. He put on his bottom, you know, pajamas and he put on his long sleeve comfy tee and he was set for the night. Well, his wife comes in and was like, hey, I don't want to cook. Can we go out? So he just quickly was able to just change his bottoms, but continue to wear his long sleeve comfy and, and whatnot. And so now we'll be able to be able to provide the jogger so it's you can come home and be comfortable you can go out and be comfortable and it's it'll be cool well all you got to do is look for that little red tag with the buffalo on it Mm. why the buffalo so buffalo is for for us is a symbol of courage Uh, we pride ourselves as a company that's modern american comfort wear and and rooted also in, in americana and the buffalo also, you know, represents this freedom, this freedom to roam, and which which kind of where we've coined the the term roam in in comfort. I think as human beings, we want to feel good, period. You know, that's just fundamental in terms of who we are as a human being. And so we we say, you know, comfort and it's our mission to help people feel good in some shape or form in, in their day. And we like to go places. We like to do things. That's why we're here on this planet. So, you know, we're, let's roam. And so wherever you go, we want to support people to do the things that they want to do and, and also feel good and be in comfort. Well, I got to say, from the moment I met both of you, I've been completely comfortable. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for your sponsorship of the podcast 
and just for the ability to know you, see what you're doing, see what you're developing and sharing it with people. Uh, because everybody I share it with, the smile that radiates off their face just brings me limitless joy. And so all I can do is just say thanks. And I don't know how you're going to make it any softer than that Sherpa, but (laughs) if you can, I want to feel it. So keep at it. And thank you so much. It's just wonderful to know you both. Well, thank you, Kyle. And I know it's it's fun to have you here and, and get to tell stories. And we're happy to be a part of, you know, what you're doing with Big Questions. Thanks, Kyle. To be continued. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. That about wraps it up. As always, got to thank Tim Ferriss for taking me down this road. If I hadn't gone down it, I wouldn't have this friendship with Matt and Jason. It's a friendship that just keeps on expanding. Last week, took me to Phoenix to speak to the EO Group, that's Entrepreneurs Organization, and I met quite a few people who've already begun to expand my life. I'm making it a mission to infuse more storytelling into the healthcare industry, and it's so wonderful to run into people who understand how important it is to calm the fears and anxieties of people who need help. You can do that through storytelling. Not only that, but stories can be used to show appreciation for the people who care for others. That can be a catalyst for even better care and better outcomes. I think storytelling in healthcare is going to make a difference in a lot of lives. And I'm grateful to anyone who can point me to places where I can make that impact. So thank you all for listening, participating, and sending photos of where you eat your favorite meals. Hope to have one with you. Cheers. Thank you.